Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. We appreciate you guys listening in to the Western Entrepreneur. If you're listening to this, by the time this hits your guys' audio or wherever you're listening to it, and either platform that you listen to our podcast, we might have some RCPs left for our next event at the Seneca One Tower on October 23rd. It's actually this upcoming Friday, the 23rd, at 6.30 p.m. Uh, make sure you go to our website at wnyentrepreneur.com to check out if there are any tickets left for you to go if that's something that you want to partake in. So it's, uh, again, Seneca One Tower this Friday, October 23rd. I want to bring our guest in right away because I know we're going to have a lot to talk about. We have Jimmy Chabat. Jimmy, I know you own multiple businesses, so I'm not exactly sure how to title you exactly. Serial entrepreneur. So versus me trying to just tell everybody what you do, if you don't mind, Jimmy, like, Take it away, man. For those, again, that don't know you, what should they know about you and your journey and what you do? Thank you, David, for that intro. And I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Um, Serial entrepreneur, you know, that's got sometimes can be taken as a negative connotation. I think most people who are in the entrepreneurial world tend to get a reputation of they start things and don't finish them. And so that to me, entrepreneurial, serial entrepreneur is kind of negative. I like to think of myself as a businessman that is not afraid to take risks. And I think that's where the entrepreneurial part comes in. My history, I've I've worked for myself since early 20s. So 21, 22, I started my own, my first company. I had an IT consulting business. I was working for a a website development company back in the 2000s. This is after the 2000 bust of the dot-com bust, bubble bust. And, you know, I had some clients who wanted to stay with me. And, you know, I built my company and uh, started to go from there. And then from there, kind of transitioned into the accounts receivable space, I I got involved in a collection agency and had some partners there and partnerships sometimes don't work, but they serve their purpose. And I expanded into multiple agencies and then started doing debt buying. In that process, I've developed, I've opened a couple of restaurants as well. One here in Buffalo, one down in Virginia with family. I've also developed a software application for workforce management that is now expanded. And we've got a pretty big tech startup that we're we're getting ready to launch, which is Zizzo. Zizzo Technologies is the name. How do you spell Zizzo in case somebody wanted to look that up? Z-I-Z-O, which uh, stands for Zoom In, Zoom Out. It's it's a mindset of kind of from a business standpoint, a CEO standpoint, that you kind of manage globally the entire operation. So you're above the trees. You're able to see the whole forest. But once in a while, you got to get into the weeds. You zoom in, you get the details. And this is more of a data-driven thing where you, you're able to get granular um, with the data, but also with your people. And so that zoom in, zoom out, I, I think it really was a philosophy that I've used my entire career. And so applying it to the name of the new application was, was just came natural and it sounds great. So it's an easy to remember one as well. Yeah, it's awesome. So one thing, I mean, there's a couple of things I want to say, but let me do one thing at a time here. I just noticed that from the past couple of years, just meeting with entrepreneurs, business owners, that software people are pretty successful people. <laughs> That's one thing I've noticed that software, I don't know, it's just the place to be and, and whatnot. So when software, this means you're just building code, building things out, correct? Yeah, so- software is a tricky one. I mean, it, it, software is very expensive to build. And that's one thing, I mean, 
the, the software that you hear about people being successful. Yes, of course, the ones that you don't hear about are the ones that never really got off the ground. And, you know, we're right there at the cusp of, of, of launching our product. And, you know, you've, you've got a pretty substantial burn rate. So you need outside capital. And one of the things about Buffalo is it's starting to gain a reputation, you know, with ACV that, you know, they're able to to raise the capital and launch and have, you know, now over a billion dollar valuation. So, so it's, I hate to say it's like almost every business it's hit and miss the risk is much heavier. And so it's it's a it's a much heavier load to lift on your own. And, you know, outside capital is, is, is needed a lot of the times. Yeah. So let's actually, since we're on that subject, let's stay on that. So for new entrepreneurs out there or business that are just medium size, we're talking maybe 15 employees or less. What do you think they should know about software companies? Like what maybe something they should know that they should look out for or when they shouldn't do something, when they should do something? I know it's a really general question, but yeah, any thoughts no, out there? I, I can hit on that. Technology is unavoidable you know i remember when i first got involved with you know selling websites you know there's a lot of people that are like no nah, i don't need a website my nephew could do it and this person can do it and it was a hard sell and then they just didn't understand search engine optimization and the ones that really relate to the game seen a huge attrition in, in clients and customer base because they were just not online and then you've seen them scrambling like i need a website fast it's the same thing with with software nowadays. I mean, if you're not utilizing technology to help you with your business, you're going to be left behind. So, you know, you just have to find that technology that solves your pain points, you know, with your biggest problems, whether it's engagement, employee engagement, customer engagement, you know, production management, you know, a CRM tool to help you with your customer relations, sales and marketing. You know, there's a ton of applications now that you can bring in house and do it yourself. That's, I think, the majority of what today's software is, is, is making it uh, user-friendly enough that, you know, the the small business owner and the medium business owners can do it themselves. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Thanks for saying that. So one thing that when we originally had this conversation, I want to say it was about a little over a month ago because we're, we're booked out a couple of weeks and for podcast guests, but you talked about gamification. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell that was a huge passion. Yours. That's where you felt like things were going for you and your business. So what is gamification? What is that? And why should entrepreneurs even care to know that term? So gamification is bringing game elements into a non-game environment. I believe it's the next revolution in in workforce management. And that's what we're building at Zizzo. And you see gamification in almost everything. And when you look at like, if you've got a an Apple Watch or a Fitbit, you know, or any sort of Under Armour or MyFitnessPal, you know, everything is gamified. So you, you, you're getting rewarded, you're getting badges, you're getting recognition, you're able to compete with your friends, your peers, your family members in fitness. So that that is, is a motivating factor. They use gamification in education. So, you know, I have two young kids in school and they come home and they're doing their homework and they're taking these trivia and it's part of their study mechanism. And they've the studies have shown that when you use gamification in training or in education, you know, people are able to retain it more. They're more engaged with the content. And so they're able to remember the content and recall it when, you know, they're there to take the exam. And the same thing for training in the workforce. That's another huge uh, tool that they're using gamification for is to train the workforce to help them retain information about their job and the tasks, uh, you know, within their job. So for us, we're bringing gamification to managing your workforce. So, you know, any any 
organization that has a workforce that uses, that has common tasks and common quotas that they're competing, like sales teams, call centers, things of that nature, even production lines. You know, we take those KPIs that really drive the business objectives, you know, things like, you know, closing deals, you know, the value of those deals. Maybe it's customer relationships or customer satisfaction ratings, you know, anything that you're collecting information and then you have a a minimum quota or, you know, a goal that you're setting to, we can gamify those and we can create competitions and we can create engaging experiences where the users are now, they come to work. And they're having fun while they're working because now they've got a target that they're they're trying to attain. And then there's always a bigger target that they can reach for. No, that's really cool. And I've heard of that before. Great Lakes Transportation, as you mentioned before, uses that. I thought that was so brilliant. You know, especially for someone like me who's just so competitive. Like I can't, I can't, I can only sit on the bottom or even middle tier for so long or I'm just going to go nuts. Uh, So I think that, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way about that. So for the people that are on the podcast, like, hey man, I got to imagine you have to have at least two employees to make a gamification, right? You can't, it's, it's hard to do that versus yourself. But for those that only have like two or three or four employees, like they're like, okay, maybe I won't be a Zizzle client, but how do I make this somewhat relevant to my business where I can help motivate them through gamification? Any, any thoughts that kind of stand out? That's a great question. And, you know, I've never given it consideration in terms of the smaller workforce. Smaller workforce is, is usually a lot easier to manage. They're, they're, they're self-guided and they're self-managed. And it all depends on the type of type of tasks that they're doing as well. I mean, it's hard to compete against one other person, either in first or in last. <laughs> uh, nobody wants to be in last. But, you know, it, and it also, the other thing, too, is the generation that you're hiring. You know, we talk about generational workforce, you know, Gen Z and millennials being the more difficult. The older generations, you know, they're just happy with having a job and getting paid a decent wage and, you know, they more focus on, you know, their, their personal life outside of work. The younger generation, all of that's blended. You know, they want to work for an organization that has purpose and it matches their own purpose and they want to be recognized and they need to be engaged with, not recognized by just their managers, but by their peers. And so creating that sort of culture, I think, requires new tool sets. But to answer your question, I I honestly don't know the answer to that and how gamification can go. Possibly in the training, I think that's where you can use gamification is to help them understand their jobs better and their roles better by using gamification and training. Yeah, and by the way, it might not even be applicable, <laughs> like I said, two or three. So so that that, that makes sense. I just don't want to always uh, assume an answer to, sure. to a question and whatnot. What do you notice newer entrepreneurs, like mistakes that they make, especially in the earlier years? What, what, what Any tips or advice you got there? Oh, man, it's... I've made so many mistakes. And I, I think early on in in my career, I think ego plays a, a large role, which also is part of the, the the positive traits of being an entrepreneur. I think you have to have ego. You have to have confidence and belief in yourself that you're willing to take those risks. But sometimes if it goes too far, you're not open to outside ideas. And I think for an entrepreneur to really you know, experience success early on, they need to be open to take on, you know, a mentor, you know, be able to bring somebody and listen to other people, you know, their input to help them with take their ideas to market or to create success out of that idea. I think a lot of people have their their mindset and they're just going to go for it. They're all in, especially if they've invested their own money. You know, they're just if they're going to lose, they're going to lose on their own. And so I think that's the one thing with young entrepreneurs is just to have an open mind, you know, be 
and be willing to fail. I think that's another thing if for young entrepreneurs, if they experience failure, that that's part of the, the journey. You know, you, you can't just fall down and say, you know what, I tried it. I'm just going to move on and just get a job. You know, if you really want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to have to, you know, take your lumps and, you know, use that as part of your education. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about being on the podcast, Jimmy, is just like I love in a non-weird way is to see how people work. Like what, like what makes entrepreneurs so different? And like, and what's cool is that a lot of entrepreneurs have so many different walks of life and, and influences and triggers to make them entrepreneurs. And I just love learning. I, I don't, I'm just obsessed with that. So what do you think has been the biggest impact on you as an entrepreneur? What do you think? So it's a two-part question. Like, what do you think has been the biggest impact on you? And who do you think has been the biggest influence on you? Like, what really made you become an entrepreneur and who you are? Like, I would just love to, anything you got there. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's a question I've been asked before, and I come up with the same answer. And it's not like, it's a, it's, it's a different sort of answer. I, th- I believe it's in my DNA. So I, I have, I come from a family. My father has 12 children, six with my mom, and I have six half-siblings. And all of us are entrepreneurs. Nobody works for anybody else. My dad was an entrepreneur. He was a businessman that, you know, delved in real estate, delved in, you know, opening some stores, you know, grocery stores, you know, in the west side of Buffalo. And, you know, all of us, I think it's innate in our our blood and our DNA. So, I mean, from an influence standpoint, I, I can't ignore that fact you know those that's data i'm a data guy so yeah. give me the data it's like and if i look at that data set and say okay one you know 12 out of 12 you know children offsprings are all entrepreneurs in their own way i think that has that plays a pretty large role i think the other part of it for me is you know controlling my own destiny i think that's one of the things that we all share my siblings and i and, and all entrepreneurs for that matter is you know they don't want a ceiling you know, the, the ceiling is, you know, it doesn't exist. So you can climb as high as you want, but also there are some entrepreneurs who don't have very large ambitions. They just want that, that comfort. They want that freedom of time, you know, so they can use that time for other purposes like family, travel, whatever else. So having that freedom, I mean, it, of course you need that financial freedom to be able to do what you want to do personally, but, but also time being in control of your time, to be able to take the time away, work from anywhere you want, which in this day and age with the technology you can do, you know, you want to travel and go across the country and, and sit on the beach and, and do your job. Sure. You know, and you know, if you've got employees that can run, uh, run the ship while you're gone and you know, that's even better. Yeah. So Historically, economic downturns have been among the best times for starting a business. Been liberated from your job, worried about your future, or just want to start a side hustle? Now's the time to start working on launching your own business. FranNet of Buffalo and Western New York is a free service that helps you identify, qualify, and acquire a franchise that fits you. I'm John Adams, your local FranNet consultant. I can help you navigate the many franchise opportunities right here in the Buffalo Niagara region. Now is a great time to do your research and start planning your future. FranNet can help you find the right business opportunity, one you can grow to future independence and prosperity. Call me at 585-739-6625 or go to FranchiseBuffalo.com. For me, I've always, tell me if I'm, you know, I want to hear your thoughts. This is my quick viewpoint without getting too much into it. For me, I just believe like if you're in business for a specific business for more than a couple years and you're still doing everything, or if you're still doing like 60 hours, I would say even more than 50 hours a week, 
I would say you're doing it wrong. I feel like you don't really own a business. I mean, you do, but the business more runs you versus you run the business. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think like, okay, if you're, if this is happening, this should trigger something. Like, is there something like that comes to mind for you? Yeah, that's, that, that's a really valid point. And I agree hundred percent. You can be a slave to your business. I mean, you're the first person that takes a pay cut. If something happens wrong, you're the first person that's going to work those extra hours. I mean, you have to make the sacrifices. It's your puppy it's your child it's 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 your enterprise you know you, it succeeds you succeed it fails you fail so yeah there could there's a lot of times where you know people are enslaved to their business and they're doing all of the tasks i i truly believe that you're only as strong as your team and you know you have to trust other people you have to find the right people you have to bring them in and this is another part of the point that i made earlier with respect to ego is sometimes you think, and I made these same mistakes earlier, like, you know what, let me just do this myself. It'll only take me a few minutes. It's going to take me forever to train that person and they're going to make mistakes and I got to fix it. And, you know, when, when you have that mindset, you're never going to have that support. You know, I always tell my employees is, is you're not promotable if you're not replaceable. And that has to be, that has to start with you. You have to be able to replace yourself in order to be able to promote yourself. So you have to hand down that knowledge. You have to train other people. There's this process that I use. It's called deal, delegate, eliminate, automate, and leave it alone. And we do this analysis at least twice a year, if not once every quarter. We analyze every process that we do and we decide, is it something that I need to do or can I delegate it to somebody else? Do you and your assistant do this or you and your whole team? My whole team. Yeah, okay. we and everybody does it for their own position. So it's not just me that's doing it for their position. That's I'm so doing good. it for my own position and they're doing it for their position. And the, the, the eliminate part is most people don't realize that there's a lot of step things that they probably do that are outdated, that had a purpose that they don't even understand really the purpose. I mean, they were handed down when they inherited the position and they did the job because it was, they was, they were told to do the job, but then don't really know the value of it. And maybe not until a year, two years, three years later, when all of that investment is just gone, you know, you were like, why are you still doing it? Well, nobody told me not to do it, you know, so I think it's it's really good to analyze and assess every process that you do. And that third piece, automate, is probably the most critical and goes back to your point about technology and software. There's a lot of software nowadays that helps you automate a lot of your tasks. And, you know, we this is a, a, probably the most critical part of this process is identify which elements you know, what time, what things that you do, recurring tasks, how often do you do? I do this daily. It takes me half an hour a day. Okay. So I calculate that. That's, that's two and a half hours a week and that's 10 hours a month. Okay. Well, that's got value. You know, I can do a lot with 10 hours a month. And if I can save that and make it automated and now it takes me 30 seconds, well, then now I can take that 10 hours a month and apply it to something else. And that's something that my boss can delegate down some of his or her tasks to me. And so the more time you free up, the more tasks that you can take from your boss, now you're able to get promoted and that person above you can get promoted. And that's how a company rises. That's how, you know, a ship floats and, and you can really make some progress. That last piece is, you know, some things you just can't delegate, eliminate or automate. You just got to <laughs> continue to do it. Leave it alone. And that was a lot to chew on, Jimmy. And I think that was, that was really good. So can you do the acronym deal one more time for those that, maybe caught the end of it or, or maybe it blurred out in the mic. I don't know. So can you? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Deal stands for delegate. Find something that you can delegate down to somebody else. E is eliminate. Eliminate the process altogether if it's outdated. A is for automate. 
Uh, there are a lot of tools with, especially if you're on the Office 365 platform, there's Power Automate, but there are a lot of other tools out there that can automate your processes for you. And the L is just leave it alone. Yeah, that's so good. So if our listeners out there, I want to pose a question to you. So what Jimmy just said, what out of those three letters, you know, for me, I'm always like, take one next step at a time. What out of those three that you really feel like you need to do? And I think that from just, you know, being with different entrepreneurs, listening to thousands over the past couple of years, just hearing their stories, delegation is the hardest. I can't let go of this. This is my baby. Or if this happens, this might happen if I delegate this. And I'm a big believer, if someone could do it 80% as good as you and it's not your passion, you should probably delegate it. Because I'm a big believer of chase your passion, what you love doing, you know, don't delegate that part. And then don't get to things that, you know, the busy work, basically things you don't like doing, because I think that's how burnout happens. That's how stagnation and a slow decline of business happens. But anything else you want to talk about what you just said? Because that was a lot. And I think yeah. I think it was great. And I feel like maybe there's something that's untouched, but I could be wrong. No, I'm going to challenge you on the point that you just made that. Yeah, of course, the busy work, you know, the, the those tasks that are just monotonous. Of course, you know, those are the easiest to hand off. But I, I will challenge you that you want to hand off the bigger things. You can never grow, okay, as an entrepreneur. So you, time is your biggest asset as an entrepreneur. So, you know, whether you're working 40 hours a week or 70 hours a week or 100 hours a week, I mean, that's going to be up to you. What is your quality of life? How dependent are you on those hours? And, you know, what, what is, where do you value your time putting it? That's, you know, why they pay people time and a half, right? Over 40 hours, you got to pay me more. So calculate the value of your time. And if you're just at 40 hours and you have bigger aspirations, you've got to start doing bigger things. OK, so, you know, when you say, look, I can hand off these kind of these busy work stuff, that's great. But I mean, what sort of opportunities are you offering your employees? You know, what sort of future if they're now just loaded up with busy work and they're not being challenged, you know, mentally, they're not being pushed, you know, to their limits. You, they're not being, their potential is not being taken advantage of. So free up your time and don't be afraid. Let them fall on their face. I mean, you'll know soon enough whether you have the right person or not. If that person gets up, you know, goes back and, and I always talk about mistakes are assets, but only if you learn from them. If you make the same mistakes over and over again, it is a liability. But every mistake is, again, part of failure is part of success. Mistakes are part of that experience. So let them fall, let them make the mistakes, teach them, you know, don't teach them how to do something, teach them why they're doing something, because that's more important than how, because if you just teach them, here's step one, step two, step three, step four, they're just following those steps. But if they understand why they're doing each step, it's because there's going to be outliers or variables that you can't teach them on the spot. Something's going to happen if they know why they're doing it and what the objective is and the purpose of it. They can catch that mistake before it actually costs the company money. No, that's so good. And there's a lot there. Right. So I, I'm not. So what I'm about to say is not narrowing it down to one thing. I just one thing I want to clarify or just one thing out of the eight things that he mentioned is like, why do, do your employees know the why behind the systems or procedures? Because they don't. You're totally right. There's so many outliers. Well, this person's doing this different. They're asking this question a little differently. But if you know the why, you'll understand the solution a little bit better. So do they know that? So a lot of good stuff, man. And believe it or not, we only have like five minutes left. So two things I want to take this direction in, and I'll just leave it up to you, is one of the questions I want to talk about is the future of gamification. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to that. And the second thing is, what do you think is one thing that is crucial as a business owner in Western New York that you don't see maybe somewhere else? That, like in Western New York, this is more important than maybe different regions or areas. 
or different ways of doing business. So I'll let you take it from there. How? You yeah, I'll, I'll answer your second question first, because I think it's more relevant to your audience, especially being here in Western New York. I'm born and raised in, in Buffalo, and I've had you know siblings who have left Buffalo and have come back to Buffalo. I've had siblings who have left and stayed away from Buffalo, friends, family as well. Buffalo is all about relationships. And, and I know you're having a network event on Friday the 23rd, and, and I think it's important that you expand your relationships in Buffalo, because I, I always say that Buffalo is a half a degree of separation, you know, one half a person, you know, everybody. And, you know, your reputation goes a long way with that. But just don't get boggled down in the day to day business, especially if you're an entrepreneur, go out there, meet people, build relationships, meaningful relationships. I and mean, you don't just go to a network event, hand out your business card, you know, just try to find common ground. I mean, in this day and age, it's it's either difficult or it's 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 easy, you know, depending on whether it's your political views, your views on COVID, sports. I think we're all pretty much in the same boat. We all love our bills and our unfortunately the savers, but yeah. I think relationships is probably one of the more important parts of being an entrepreneur in Buffalo. Is is make sure that you you go out there and get to know people and you know and, and build meaningful relationships. Yeah. That's so good. By the way, if you uh, know Jimmy. You really love this podcast. Make sure you share it on your social media. Give Jimmy some love. Make sure people know more about what advice he's given here today. And maybe tag an entrepreneur that you think should either get in touch with Jimmy about whether it's gamification, what he does, or maybe you just think they should have a conversation with them. If you don't mind me saying that. No, 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 no. And whatnot. So speaking of gamification, any lasting thoughts that you think that the future of gamification is going or something that you think our audience or entrepreneurs in Buffalo in general should know? Because we have people, I've had people that have 75 employees listen to my podcast. I have people that don't have any and anywhere in between. So yeah, when you look at the statistics and you, by the year 2025, 75% of the workforce is going to be millennials and Gen Z. And I, I think any business owner, small, medium, or large understands that this is a these are different generations to manage and they're, they're dealing with attrition rates, all time high attrition rates, all time high disengagement. And that is not going to go away. And so just finding new workforce management styles. Okay. And that's where I feel gamification is going to really play a large role in the future is how to engage these younger people in New York state. Our minimum wage has skyrocketed from seven fifty over a few years ago. Now it's going to be almost $13. And so when you have like a call center or a, a, a restaurant or a store where, you know, you would pay a pretty sizable gap between minimum wage and, you know, and what your starting point is now that that gap is gone. So you have to offer something new. And I think that gamification is going to be part of that something new and to keep these younger generations engaged. It's not always just about compensation. It's how to find engagement, how to create a culture that's going to be uh, fun for this younger generation because they're, they've been conditioned since they were babies. I mean, look at all of the youth now. They they know technology. They're, in, they're addicted to technology yeah. and you're not going to change that. So you might as well leverage it. And use it to your advantage. I love that because it's like, well, then you they'll learn, they'll fall in their face and realize that's not the way the world works. But I don't believe that's true. It's like we have to adapt to what what's going on there. Absolutely, <laughs> so, yeah. So I agree, man. So for those that are just interested in that, what's the website to check it out? www.playzizo.com. So it's the word play, P-L-A-Y-Z-I-Z-O.com. Yeah. And for those that just, again, love your personality or just, you know, want to, maybe they want to ask a question I didn't get a chance or I didn't think of, 
What's the best way that you feel comfortable uh, for people contacting you? Yeah, I mean, go on, go on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, the other social media sites, not so much. We do have our social media sites for our for for Zizzo. But if you go on our website, all of our social media links are at the bottom. There, my bio's on the website as well, and there should be a link to my my LinkedIn as well. And if not, look me up, Jimmy, and last name spelled C H E B A T. Would love to hear from people, and you know, from one entrepreneur to another, I love to share my experiences and help other others out. Be a mentor. Yeah. And if you didn't catch the spelling, it's okay because it's in the title of this podcast episode. So I appreciate so much uh, your time, Jimmy. I know you're a busy guy. Thank you, David. I appreciate you. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to WNYEntrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.